0: Welcome to a very special no-bull-junk edition of Andy Staples on 3. That's right, we don't do bull-junk here. You tell us to take our glasses off inside, you tell us to take our hats off inside, no. We're not doing it. This is amazing. Deion Sanders is the gift that keeps on giving to the college football world. Because this was a pretty boring Thursday, ahead of a week of games that Everybody keeps telling me it's going to be dull. I disagree, but there are no marquee matchups on the slate. College game day is going to Boulder for Colorado State versus Colorado, which on paper doesn't look like a great matchup. But it got a lot more interesting thanks to Colorado State coach Jay Norvell, who said this. On his radio show. And I sat on with the ESPN today, and I don't care if they hear it in Boulder. I told them I took my hat off and I took my glasses off. And I said, when I talk to grown-ups, I take my hat and my glasses off. That's what my mother talked about. So, I'm a sports writer. You do not have to take your hat or your glasses off to talk to me. I'm barely an adult, for goodness sakes. But I appreciate you, Jay Norvell. I do. I'm not going to say anything about Jay Norvell here because I like it. When coaches say interesting things, that's what I like about Deion Sanders, and I'm glad Jay Norvell said something interesting because it's going to make this game more interesting. It makes me want to watch it more, and that was the point. So this is the thing. All these coaches don't realize they're in the entertainment business. I think Dion understands that completely, and that's why I'm sure it didn't hurt his feelings that bad that Jay Norvell said he needed to take his sunglasses off or his hat off in a press conference. I don't think Dion cares about that one bit, but I think Dion knows it creates great content. Yes sir. I'm
1: minding my own business watching some film,
2: trying to get ready, trying to get out of here and be the best coach I could be. And I look up and I read some bull junk that Dan said about us. Talk to him Once again, uh, Talk to us. why would you want to talk about us when we don't talk about nobody? All we do is go out here, work our butts up and do our job on Saturday. Yes, but when they give us ammunition, they un- done un- messed around and made it. What? It was just gonna be a good game.
1: They done messed around and made it. It was gonna be a great test, person. Person. a battle of Colorado, but they un- messed around and made it. Person. 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 Person.
0: I love that a third of the team, when he says they made it, and you're supposed to say personal, the two-thirds of the team right on cue. Personal. And like a third. Per- per- personal. And then the second time they do it, 90% of the team gets it. But then there's like two guys. Per- per- personal. Personal. That would have been me. That was me on every team I was on. I never figured out the saying stuff in unison. The clapping in unison during warmups couldn't do it. When when people would start doing the whoop, woo, woo I never knew when to start that or stop it. I would have been that that one or two stragglers who are like, yeah, yeah, personal coach, personal. I love this. I love that we care so much about Colorado State and Colorado. Other coaches, take note. You're in the entertainment business. If you're Kirby Smart, sure, just go smash people. If you're Ryan Day, like go win national titles. That's your job. Everybody else, you're in the entertainment business. You're selling tickets. You're selling TV shows. Let's make this fun because that's what it is. Next up, we got a guy who I guarantee you doesn't take any bull junk. He is six foot four. He is three hundred sixty-two pounds. He is the heart of Texas's defensive line. His name is Tavondre Sweat. Had a great game against Alabama, and now he's going to explain why Texas's D line is so good. Honored to be joined now by Tavondre Sweat of the Texas Longhorns. Fresh off win against Alabama. They're playing Wyoming this week. And T-Sweat, I, I have to ask you, what did that feel like on the field at Bryant-Denny Stadium after you guys secured that win?
2: Uh, it felt great. I mean, in the moment, we just did what we did. Then after we celebrated, now we on to the next
0: so, I, I got to ask you this. Uh, I found this video on your Instagram. Okay, I can tell what you're saying. You're saying we're going all the way, we're going to ball. What does Matthew McConaughey say to you to evoke that
3: response?
2: <laughs> Honestly, I can't even tell you. Like, it was just slow in a moment. But, like, oh, let me think. What did he say? Oh, he was like, yeah. Like, oh, yeah. Oh, God. <laughs> he like that. I was it all right? All right. All right. It was something, bro. It was just like in a moment. I didn't even know well, they got that on camera.
0: You've been playing at Texas for a long time. How many times has Matthew McConaughey run up to you Not after a game?
2: Is it that long? It's pretty long. Um,. He came up to me a couple times during the game. Like, if he walking by or whatever, he'll just give me a dab and say, keep going. That's so, about it.
0: Do you have a favorite Matthew McConaughey movie? Um, I don't. Okay. Well, let me tell you about a little flick called How to Lose a Guy in 10 Days. It, it's it's a classic. Yeah, yeah. I'm kidding. Don't watch that one. It's terrible. <laughs> it's a rom-com. Go, go, go for True Detective Season 1 on HBO. Much better. But... <laughs> What, what's what's this this whole off season and early season been like for you? Because you came back this year mm-hmm. wanting to do something special,
2: and yeah, it seems 100%. you guys
0: are are on target to do that.
2: I mean, I came back to win. I mean, and I came back to, like I say, win and go to the Natty. You know what I mean? And just from summer workouts to now, we just been grinding and we putting it all on the field now
0: it's interesting because i've said on the show a lot that the the difference between this texas team and some of the ones you know the past 10 years or so is how they've developed you guys and and you know you've got a bunch of guys the nfl wants and uh, i found an interview that you gave going into your junior year of high school so folks want to know how much you've developed and how much you've changed at texas uh Let's let's take a look at this. So you are you are currently 6'4, 360. What do you think you are in this photo? Uh,
2: I'd probably say like 63, probably like 290, 280, something, 285. That's a good looking
0: 285, man. I That's... wish
2: I can go back to it. <laughs> <laughs> I wish.
0: So as as you got bigger, did you because you've you've maintained your quickness right how did you do that as you as you got bigger i
2: mean i'm just god's gifted you know it just that's really all i can say i'm just god's gifted honestly i i'm i'm sensing some humility there there's got to be some work involved like what what do you oh, of course what, what like what you, yeah. i mean yeah. i feel like i always have been telling i feel like i always have been quick on my feet you know what i mean i feel like the size just never slowed me down I mean, it's me down a little bit, but like, I feel like I still got my quickness and speed like that. Because it's,
0: it's it's more just getting moved inside because you play defensive end in high school, right? I still do. <laughs>
2: well, that's true. That's true. You play all along the line. Oh, yeah. Everything you can think of, I can play. Even DB. Oh, okay. Move back there. <laughs> yeah. We're talking safety or corner? Safety. Okay. You
0: can't, you don't feel like you can flip your hips enough to be a corner?
2: Oh, I definitely can, but like, you know, I'm a, little, a little too quick for me.
0: The, the, there's another photo on your Instagram, by the way, that they caught during, I think it was preseason practice, of you intercepting a pass. Now, apparently, the video footage of this has been lost, but you definitely intercepted a pass, right? 100%. Did you take it to the house?
2: I did. Pick six, baby.
0: <laughs> as far as we know, because there's no video?
2: <laughs> yeah. <laughs>
0: We'll be right back with more from Tavondre Sweat. But first, I want to talk to you about prize picks. This is the game that is so much fun to play during the college football season. Now, listen, you can play any sport with prize picks. Basically, any level of competition you can play. NFL, MLB, NBA, they got it all. But the college football part of it is so much fun. Last week, I did not do so well. I was very close I was about five Jimmy Horn yards away from turning $100 into $500. But easy come, easy go. Prize picks, going to give me another shot. This week, the options, there's some tantalizing ones. Uh, We all saw Deion Sanders take offense. I'm not sure how much offense he took. But at Jay Norvell, and now they've made it personal. That Shador Sanders, 341 and a half pass yards. More than seemed like a pretty steep ask. Because if, if Colorado took a big lead, would, would Shador Sanders still be in the game? I don't know. Now it seems a little more tantalizing. Jaden Daniels, LSU quarterback at Mississippi State, 251 and a half passing yards. That seems like a lot, but you know how I go. I like the more than. I don't go with the less than I like rooting for people, not against people Uh, sticking with the Colorado thing. I had Jimmy, Jimmy Horn last week, Travis Hunter, 76 and a half yards, Xavier Weaver, 83 and a half yards, Jimmy Horn, 84 and a half yards. It's so hard with the Colorado receivers because you know, they're going to spread the ball around. They're going to hit the guy that's hot and that's who's going to get fed. And so it was, it was Xavier Weaver last week and I had Jimmy Horn, but Passing TDs. This is a good one, too. Uh, Graham Mertz for Florida, 1.5. Big rivalry game. If Florida is to do well, they may need Graham Mertz to throw them to a victory. Bo Nix against Hawaii, 2.5. That's an interesting one, too. It's tough when the the teams are not that evenly matched because you don't know how that's going to go. Rush TDs. How about Woody Marks? 0.5. 0.5. If he scores a TD and you had more than, you win. So, how does prize picks work? You pick two or more squares. You can go two, you can go three, four, five. And then you say, I think this person will be more than or less than the total. And you watch the games. And yeah, you're going to be very interested in the games. Now, prize picks is available in most states in the country, including Florida, Texas, and California. And if you use the referral code, Andy, so download the prize picks app, use the referral code, Andy, they will match your first deposit up to a hundred dollars. So if you donate, if you deposit a hundred bucks initially, they'll match a hundred bucks. If you deposit 50 bucks initially, they'll match 50 bucks. That's how you do it. Referral code is Andy on Friday night. I'll be on Twitter going through the prize picks options. I'll be setting my plays for the weekend. You can set yours too. We can you know, make some suggestions to each other, see how we feel about it, but it's a lot of fun. Definitely gives you a lot to watch during your college football weekend. So go to prize picks, download the app, referral code, Andy, they will match your first deposit up to hundred dollars. Let's get playing. It, what's it, what's it like on that defense? Cause y'all look like you're having a lot of fun and especially up front where you and Alfred and Murphy. And it seems like you've got guys that can rotate in. You're always fresh. How I mean, How is it during those games?
2: I mean, during the games, like you say, we is pretty fresh. I mean, Coach Davis rotate us pretty good and stuff like that. And i say as a defense as a whole, I feel like we're just having fun. Like, we're just loving the game and just being us. And I feel like that's a big difference from the past couple of years. Is now we're just being us, and we're going out there to be ball players and being the best we can be for each other.
0: What did it feel like before? Was it was it just you know trying to learn the scheme and and not moving, not playing fast enough, or was it you know, that you guys are just used to playing with each other now?
2: Right. I was. I mean, I feel like since I've been here, the defense been pretty good, offense been pretty good. I just feel like. This year is just something special about the bond we have, the connection we have with each other. You know what I mean? I feel like that was one of the, that was like our big part of our offseason just bonding and being with each other and enjoying the moments. So moment.
0: You and the rest of the D line, like what is your favorite thing to do together?
2: Together? Uh probably meetings. <laughs> meetings. Honestly. Nobody likes meetings. No, our meetings be pretty fun. Are, are you
0: guys? You guys? Is your position coach going nuts? Well, C- Coach Davis doesn't seem like he's gonna put up with a lot in the meeting room.
2: Uh, Coach Davis really laid back, man. When you get to know him, <laughs> is really it laid back? Is it is it that you
0: kind of have to earn his trust, and then you can joke yeah. around as much as you want?
2: One hundred percent. I mean, that's. I feel like that's what anybody. You just gotta earn their trust, then they'll lighten up on you. You know what I mean? because Davis he's a great guy man I love the meetings though because we'll be having a good time like he let us be ourselves you know what I mean he don't just be in a meeting and we just be like this the whole time <laughs> you know what I mean he let us sit back relax and like just be ourselves and I feel like that's a big part of the uh, meeting what, room.
0: what is the meeting room snack of choice for
2: uh, you? We, can't, we can't eat in our room oh no oh oh wow so you yeah. really,
0: this is pretty good that you can you can cut loose in a meeting where you're not even allowed to to have gummy bears.
2: Mm-mm. That's a rule we made as a whole, though.
0: Interesting. You, you the players, made that rule.
2: Mm-hmm. No eating. Like, so, you can drink it all that, but we say no eating because I feel like eating just, I don't know, we just came up with it. It was like nobody eating here.
0: Well, you, you talk to coaches, and they always say the best teams are player-led. Like, when did you notice that different groups of players were doing stuff like that, like kind of setting rules and setting expectations for everybody else?
2: I feel like um, we started that just offseason because our biggest thing going into this season was to be player-led and set rules and do this and that. So we met as a D-line and that was some of our rules of the meeting room.
0: That's, it's interesting. Cause and, and you guys play like a group that you're in charge of yourselves <laughs> and, and understand it's, I mean, it's a mature group. You guys like you, you've already graduated from Texas, right. And, and a, a couple of your guys are also fourth, fifth year guys. Like mm-hmm. how much difference does that
2: make? I mean, it makes a big difference. I mean, As you see, we're just very experienced and very mature, you know what I mean? Coach Davis really don't got a baby. You know, you you got some coaches in schools that they still got to baby their players, you know what I mean? Like, do this, do that, check this, check that. I feel like we didn't earn our coaches' trust, where to we, like, he treated us like grown men, you know what I mean?
0: So let, let's go back to when you got to Texas because everybody talks about oh, Texas gets all the five stars. Mm-hmm. You were a three star. Mm-hmm. And you, you said you signed with Texas because you're a mama's boy and you wanted to, to stay close to mom. I am. And Shout
2: so my mom, man. Th-
0: tell me about your mom because that's a I I've seen you mention her a bunch, like on your Instagram. You're you're making sure you celebrate her birthday every year. Like, oh yeah. What'd your mom do for you growing up that, that allowed you to become the man you are today?
2: sacrifice she sacrificed a lot for me and she raised me to be the man i am now
0: what was it like on graduation day
2: tears <laughs> i i'm the uh at all like my mom kids I don't, know, I don't know who graduated college so that was pretty big
0: i mean how does that how does that make you feel i mean in terms of like what you've accomplished already? Because obviously you have a lot more to accomplish on the football field, but it seems like that's a pretty big one already.
2: I mean, it feels it feels wonderful because I, I shout out all the people from my high school that say I wouldn't make it because Texas was too hard. Don't get me wrong. Texas is very hard. But I always told myself, like, whatever, forget what the haters say. Like, just continue doing what you're doing. Keep your head on the swivel. And you're gonna graduate, you're gonna make it.
0: As and what what's it feel like for you walking across that stage? I saw the video, it looked looked like you were having a lot of fun.
2: I mean, man, it was wonderful because like I ain't gonna lie, like me personally, I thought I never would do it either, you know what I mean? And me doing that was just so big for me. And I don't know, I really don't even have words for it, because like that was like the most beautiful thing ever to me, honestly. Like walking, get my papers, you know what I mean? So it felt wonderful because a lot of people told me I couldn't do it and I did it. And it like all gave me flashbacks like, oh, this person said I couldn't do this. This person said I couldn't do that. Oh, you ain't going to make it. Oh, you're not smart enough. You know what I mean? So,
0: And, and the haters can, can motivate probably – Better sometimes than the people who tell you, oh, you can do it.
2: But the crazy thing is, I still remember the people and they didn't even graduate college. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? So, You don't it, ever call it, up it, and be like, what's your degree in? No, nah, I don't. I'm not even that. I'm not that type of person. I, I, Trust me, I remember, but like, I'm not the petty person to go back and put no. throw stuff in people's face, you know?
0: Listen, your college graduate hanging with Matthew McConaughey. Think yeah. about that. That's Not many people could say that. At all. <laughs> At all. I got to ask you this because every time we have an elite lineman on, we ask him the same question. What is your perfect steak? Cut and how it's cooked.
2: Me, I got to have a little pink in it.
0: Okay, good. I got to have a little good. pink in it. Are you a ribeye, filet,
2: New York strip? Give it to me. <laughs> That's right.
0: That's how you get to 362 pounds. You, you don't discriminate.
2: I'm gonna eat it. So I gotta have a little pink in it. I'll be all right.
0: I, I I am I am 100% in agreement. You can't cook the flavor out of it. You gotta you gotta leave it in there. Mm-hmm. I'm actually a rare guy, so I I can take all the pink you want, but I'll mm-hmm. even go red. But really, as as you get older, you may find yourself like, Cause I was, I was a medium rare guy mm-hmm. when I was your age. So you, you may move on to, uh, to the rare, but we'll see. I mean, you're going to have an opportunity to eat a lot of steaks <laughs> between now and yeah. and when you're my age, cause you got an NFL future ahead. Of you, you got a college degree, you got all this stuff, but let, let's talk about right now. Cause you guys are going to play Wyoming. Mm-hmm. We've already seen Wyoming shock, Texas tech. I'm sure your coaches have mentioned that a few times, uh, <laughs> How do you come down from that high of winning in Tuscaloosa and get back to
2: where you need to be for Saturday? I mean, me, I feel like this team, I feel like we just, like I say, we celebrated in the moment. And after that, Monday, we moved on and we have full respect for Wyoming and stuff like that. And we're not going to take this game for granted. We're going to go out there and play like we know how. And we'll see the end results.
0: Devondre, so thank you so much, and uh, and good luck.
2: Yes, sir. Thank you.
0: I am now a hundred percent in on at least the Texas D line, if not the entire Texas Longhorns team, because nobody actually likes meetings. If these guys like position meetings, forget it. Who who else has a chance? No, I. But seriously, I. It's really impressive to watch the difference in development on the D line. I remember a few years ago when. You know, they had Puna Ford. He was a very good player, goes undrafted, was was the best player on the D-line. They've got guys now that are going to go, you know, maybe first round, but second, third round, and and then other guys, young guys behind them who are going to come up and be that type of player too. And Tamandre Sweat, good example, was not a five-star recruit. He was a three-star recruit who had just developed, and I mean, he's he's really – unbelievably quick for his size he's not kidding he really can play all along the defensive line i'm not sure about safety but he can definitely play along on the defensive line and he's fun to watch he is very fun to watch so I, i cannot wait to see what that group does going forward again if you like meetings you're kind of a psycho but probably in a good way another man who likes meetings nick costco we met up and we talked about coach prime and about Alabama and their quarterback situation. Here's Nick.
4: We're joined now by On Threes, Nick Costco. And Nick, Nick had a big guest on his show this week. You had Tim Tebow on the show. I did have Tim Tebow. I haven't talked to him in, uh, I want to say, two years was the last time I talked to him. So it was good to catch back up. I mean, let's be real. I don't think he exactly remember me, but for the amount of people he talks to all the time. But it was good to have him on, and he had a a lot of great insight this week.
0: Tim's a good dude, and he remembers more than you think. So uh, when he was playing at Florida, which was a situation where if he ever went out in public, it was like the Beatles in 1963, essentially. And so he had some little tricks that he had. And so I was I was eating at this restaurant at, at one point and I'm sitting kind of in the front area and there's a, a booth in the back of that section where you cannot see whoever's facing the wall. And so I'm sitting there with some friends and my wife and, and we're just yucking it up. And all of a sudden I get a tap on my shoulder. I look up it's Tim Tebow. I was like, <laughs> What? What are you doing here? And he's like, that's my seat over there. <laughs> this is, nobody bothers him.
4: So a, was it one of those restaurants where they usually put like, you know, all the celebrity pictures on the walls and say, yeah, they've been here in one of those.
0: No, this is this straight up cheesy sports bar. All you can eat wing night on Mondays, that sort of thing. But he, he found that it, that might've been the only table in Gainesville that he could have enjoyed a meal without anybody bothering him. Like one, one time his freshman year of college, I was in Best Buy with my wife. And he and one of his older brothers walked in, and they walked by, and I, I you know, kind of nudged my wife. I'm like, hey, that's Tim Tebow. And uh, later, I, I ran into uh, to Dan Mullen's wife, because Dan, Dan was the OC at the time. And Megan, his wife, says, you know they had to call the cops to get him out of the store. <laughs> I was <laughs> like, no. He <laughs> police
4: so, wherever he goes, man.
0: It's, it's incredible. And it's still, still kind of that way. But now there's a different guy in college football who gets that kind of treatment. And you talked to, to Tebow about
4: Deion Sanders and, and Deion mania. And that's probably the biggest story in college football. It's Deion Sanders. In Colorado. There you go. I mean, you look at these first two games, upset of TCU. They knock off Nebraska at home in a in dominant fashion. He has taken the college football world by storm. We knew this coming in from Jackson state that he was different, but now he's doing it on the field as a coach with his players, his sons back there as well. I, I mean, your first reaction to this two and zero start here for Colorado in the Pac twelve. Well, um,
3: I I love it, but I, I I also love it because he's doing it his way, and I love it because he's doing it with such passion and love and belief and build up of young men. I think that's something that sometimes. Um, gets missed. I, 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 you know, look at what he says to him, look at the way he's able to believe in them, pour into them. You know, I think if you were to talk to a lot of his players, they believe they can do more and accomplish more after they've been around him than before. That's a sign of a good coach. That's a sign of building confidence. That's a sign of encouragement of real encouragement. And, and I love that. I love that, um, that he, it talks about being ready for the moment that he. He, um, he doesn't shy away from it. And I, I love that. And I think his players feed off of that. Um, I, I think you will continue to see more players be intrigued by the way he's doing it because I think there's a lot of players that want to have pressure on them, but they also want to be encouraged and inspired in the moment. And, um, and, and that's what prime is doing and look at the way they handle not just the first and second down. Look at the way his team plays on third, fourth down, red zone, second half. The moments when you could either rise to the occasion or shrink under pressure. And, man, they rise to the occasion. I think that's a really a, a good sign of a team playing inspired and fearless. So,
0: Nick, if I told you a year ago that college game day will be at the
4: Colorado-Colorado State game, <laughs> what would you have said? I mean, if we're talking about a year ago from today, that's interesting. I'd be like, well, who's the coach? Uh, what are we doing? You know, I, I, I've been high on Dion in Colorado since December. So basically when he was hired, but I did not expect this right away. Um, at least the mania behind it. I figured there's gonna be a lot of buzz because it is Dion. For Colorado, Colorado State, I mean, I would have thought maybe, you know, Colorado, Oregon, Colorado, USC, a game featuring Colorado would be a game day type of atmosphere. But no, I, 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 would, I could not have called this. I mean, I, I mean, I, I predicted in December that Deion Colorado, I mean, I, I think I said I'd be shocked if they didn't win six games this year wow and yeah i said i said this and people you know I, I go back look at the tape I, it's probably somewhere in my archives but i did say i'd be shocked they didn't win six games this year now that might have been a premature prediction on my part at least in december but i believed it because i figured this is the Dion buzz the Dion effect but if, if you if you asked me in september of 2022 i would i would never have thought Dion would have been in Colorado. i never would have thought uh Colorado would win more than one or two games this year based on what they were last year It is amazing how much our our perspectives have changed on this. And I was
0: one who thought ultimately would work because he's good at bringing in talent. But I didn't know that they'd be able to build a roster that would be this effective this quickly. And that's the part I think is kind of amazing. And, you know, it's it's funny that so college game day is there. And I think the, the conventional wisdom is they're doing this so they can get the Dion thing in in a week that's not got a lot of marquee matchups so that they can go to Ohio State Notre Dame next week. But honestly, if they blow the doors off Colorado State, they might need to go to Eugene.
4: Just ride see, it I out. See, I don't see why not. I mean, you look at, I, I believe, correct me if I'm wrong, but big news going to be there too. I'm pretty sure everyone's going to Boulder yes. this week because they're saying, why not? Gor- not only is it a gorgeous area, gorgeous campus, and Dion's already raved about that. You know, he says Boulder sells itself. Well, Dion's selling everything. Yeah, I mean, I, I could say tourists, skiers, anybody who likes Colorado can go to Boulder. All right, but for Colorado football, That's totally fine. Now that Dion is selling it, it's like, all right, Boulder is where I want to go. And you just mentioned how he's able to attract talent. We've seen it through the transfer portal. You know, we can talk uh, day in and day out about, you know, 70 to 80 new guys compared to the roster last year. And then you look at what he's able to do from a developmental standpoint. He brought in proven guys. And also he's brought in guys that he knew could could, uh, contribute right away as freshmen, such as Dylan Edwards, the running back, who he's known since he was a baby practically. So you know, I, I think we didn't give enough credit to uh, Deion Sanders' ability to recruit and develop because we said, well, it's at Jackson State. It's an HBCU. He's making a difference at the FCS level. He can't do that at the Power 5 level, but we've clearly seen that in just the span of two games and the whole offseason leading up was teasing this, that this team actually would be very competitive. I, don't, I just don't think anybody would have thought it would have exploded this fast.
0: Well, and the other thing he can sell now is all of this attention plus immediate playing time. Like, if I had a good class of 2024 class and some players that I thought Dion might like, I would be very scared of him coming and trying to flip them
4: right now. Yeah, I absolutely would, too. Don't forget the Big 12 thing coming next year. So they're going back to a conference, you know, jumping ship of the Pac-12, whatever that might be in 2024 and beyond. But now that you're going to be in the Big 12, and I get that Texas and Oklahoma are going to the SEC, and it's amid a bunch of college football realignment, but – now you can sell the big 12. You could sell those Midwestern games and you're going to play the likes of Texas tech and TCU every year, Baylor, every year, you'll get the Iowa state. So you're going to get bigger matchups from a different perspective of college football. I know you're not gonna get the, all the West coast matchups again, but you know, again, USC and UCLA are going to the big 10, as well as Washington and Oregon. But I think now that you're going to go on a bigger stage and now that you're going to get the, the big 12 branding, I think it only helps the entire athletic department. And plus you just mentioned if, if you're a guy who's in the class of 2024 and if you're a Dion type of guy. You know, no captains, but dogs, I think uh, you better just say, you know what? I'm not fully committed yet. Let me see if uh, Coach Prime wants to say we're interested in you.
0: Well, okay, that brings up the question. Would you rather be a leader or a dog? Because leaders get an L, dogs get a D, Travis Hunter's a D, Shador Sanders is an L.
4: If, if it's you on your jersey, you want an L or a D? I'd rather get a D. I mean, it, me come on. And then I'm not talking about my grades in school, of course. But I'd rather have a D. I'd rather be a dog. I mean, we know that viral video that that was on Instagram and TikTok. You know, uh, TikTok, excuse me. You know, this guy, dog, Travis Hunter, dog, Shadur Sanders, dog. I'd rather be referred to as a dog because those are the guys that they might, even if they're not the flashiest guys, they're the guys that put in the hardest work. Leaders, you know. I think a dog could be a leader, so I, I'm going to lean with a uh, dog on this one.
0: <laughs> yeah, dog. Dog is the highest compliment another pe- player can pay to a player. So that's that's where I think. Yeah, you want the D. I think that that that's the of the two. Plus just an L, because an L can mean something
4: else. And- it, could, it it could, and I, I'm I'm of the mind. Can we start getting the um, the. Uh, maybe a dog face, maybe a German Shepherd, a Rottweiler, yes. a pit, pit bull, something like that. Maybe if, I mean, even a Yorkie, I don't care. You, if, if you have a dog on the jersey, it's not, you're a de facto Hey, Yeah, that's totally fine with me. <laughs> Perfect.
0: So you saw what Jay Norvell said. And I sat down with the ESPN today, and I don't care if they hear it in Boulder. I told them I took my hat off and I took my glasses off. And I said, when I talk to grown-ups, I take my hat and my glasses off. That's what my mother talked about. So. I, I love this. I will never be one who says, Oh, you shouldn't say that because now they're going to beat you by 100. No, no, no. Coaches, be as petty as you want, say as many things. And this is Jay Norvell essentially saying, We have better manners than them. <laughs>
4: I, 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 it's only 10 seconds and I get what he's doing. And now me being a Colorado Stan, of course, I'm going to say, well, Jay Norvell shouldn't have said that. And do you realize what you're doing? You know, please Matt say Ruhle, that. Ba- as, as Matt rule barely said that. something. I know Matt rule barely said something. And Dion's like, it's personal now. It's like the Michael Jordan meme from the last dance documentary. I took that personally. And this rivalry is now personal, even though you're still not going to play him in the big 12 next year. So now that he actually said, and you know, there's a shot at Dion. Well, I take my hat off and my glasses off. And then I think it was, what, because the power of Twitter slash X, I think five minutes later, someone had a screenshot of all his press conferences. He had a visor on. They say, what, a visor doesn't count as a hat when you're talking to grownups? So (laughs) Jay Norvell, you know, that's fine. I know he's trying to ride it. it, It's during his coach's show. We know what that is. Most of those are at a bar. Brian Kelly aside, we know that, (laughs) you know, you look at these coaches' shows, they say, oh, the fans are in attendance. Let me say something that's going to get them geared up for the game. Totally fine, but you're digging your own grave here, pal, especially going to Boulder. By
0: the way, speaking of coaches shows, the, the, the person who does the best talking at a coach's show relative to his press conferences is Nick Saban. Like his coach's show is the place to go if you want to get Nick Saban saying something. Because for some reason, if a fan asks the question, he will expand on it a lot more than he does in a press conference. But let, let's talk about Nick Saban, because I, I noticed you were tweeting a bit of, about this subject this week as well, the, the quarterback situation in Alabama, you pointed out, and I think correctly so, we're dealing with a coach who pulled his starter at halftime of the national championship game. Let's not think that this is set in stone with Jalen Milrow.
4: No, and he's done it in the past as well. I forget the exact. I think it was a, a Blake Barnett was a start at one point. He got pulled after what two to three games, if, if memory. Oh serves. no, Blake so.
0: Barnett got pulled after a quarter for Jalen. words so He never uh, gave okay, it yeah. back.
4: So, so, that, so there you go. I'm getting my wires mixed up, and you know, again, yeah, I tried to give Nick Saban the benefit of the doubt there, but he's not afraid to do something, and then, you know. The way I look at Jalen Milrow and the Alabama quarterback situation is, well, you brought in a transfer in Tyler Buckner, and everyone assumed that that would be your guy because nobody won the job outright in spring. And, of course, he's following uh, Tommy Reese over from Notre Dame. And you figure, well, he knows the offense. You might as well try it. But if nobody clearly won the job through spring, summer, and fall camp, what do you really have? And I think they just opted for Milrow because he was in the Alabama culture for – at least a little bit longer than the other guys. And he got playing time last he's year behind a, Bryce Young. He's a better Young, so. athlete than the other guys. Right. And I, you know, I'm i totally fine with that. Put your best athletes in the field and see what happens because obviously Saban's not afraid of that. And they've won big games. They've won titles without superstar quarterbacks. And people forget Bryce Young was the quarterback last year coming off a Heisman Trophy year. Then They didn't even make the playoffs. So sometimes Saban might have to do something a little bit different, go back to the ground, play good defense. So I don't think his leash is as long as people might think. If he thinks this offense is going to take the next step by putting in a Ty Simpson, putting in a Tyler Buckner, I think he'll pull the plug sooner rather than later because, again, they lost to Texas. It's not an SEC team yet. They can still run the table. And looking at the SEC West, I don't see any legitimate challengers to win that division over Alabama other than you know maybe if Arkansas pulls it off, Ole Miss pulls up. Or I'm not too high on what I've seen so far through uh, LSU and obviously Texas A&M for the first two weeks.
0: So it's interesting you mentioned everybody assuming that Buckner would be the guy we need to have a code with, with transfer quarterbacks, like let establish a, a formalized system. So people understand what's going on. Like if someone isn't leaving a starting job, they are not guaranteed a starting
4: job. Like that's a, that it should be written in stone. <laughs> I do agree with that too. And the fact that, I mean, I would say when Buckner left after the spring, so he already had Sam Harmon in there. You knew Sam Harmon was going to start at Notre Dame. At that point, you're like, all right, well, is Buckner any good? Is he good enough to win the starting job outright at Alabama? That those were the biggest question marks I had. Considering he's been, he was banged up at Notre Dame. He wasn't overly impressive, other than again, he knew the offense that Tommy Reese ran. So he was taking a chance. I would say, considering you had two of the three quarterbacks that were viable for Nick Saban this season, anyway. But the fact that he didn't win the job right away or impress enough right away to maybe extend the battle into the first couple of weeks, and again, you're not going to do it against Texas. But maybe that week one where he gets more playing time than anticipated, Uh, I think they just knew it going in. Let's just start Jalen Milrow and see what happens the first couple of weeks because he gives us the best chance to win right now, even though we're still not totally sure. All right, so you are a Jersey guy.
0: I am. Scarlet Knights. (sighs) Got Virginia Tech coming in. I think this is a very winnable game for Rutgers. It is.
4: I, I would say going into the year, everyone circled this game as all right, this is the prove it game. Can you win a big non conference game like this? Now, again, big being a relative term because Virginia Tech, we know, is also in rebuilding mode under Brent Pry. But with the way Shiano has coached up this team this year, and again, Northwestern and Temple, not overly impressive, but from, from Rutgers' standards over the past couple of years since Shiano came back to Piscataway, it's been better the defense looks really good Gavin Wimsett is not a turnover machine right now a quarterback so that's really good or it's at least a good sign to see if you're a Scarlet Knight fan I'm an alum so I guess I have to consider myself a fan uh, when I'm not working at least but this is a good game it's in in Piscataway so you already have the advantage there and I would say if they win this game again you're halfway to bowl eligibility with three wins already I know Michigan they have to go to Ann Arbor uh, in week four but they come back home and play Wagner hypothetically you could be four and one after five games and then at that point you have seven games left to, to win just two you're back in the postseason the legitimate way not the gator bowl a couple of years ago where texas A&M <laughs> had to drop out i was down i was down in jacksonville i said oh maybe they'll beat wake forest and then fourth quarter happened sam hartman happened and you know that was pretty much it but this is it i would say this is this is probably shiano's best team overall since coming back again not the heyday and again he's in the big 10 this time around who knows what the, the future is in store with them once the realignment happens. But I would say this, this is, a, is his best squad so far in his second stint. And if they are going to be a legitimate bowl team, they do have to – I would say they, they have to win at 330 on Saturday.
0: Can't believe you're not going to hand them the dub going to, to Ann Arbor next week. It's not like anything important is happening like Jim Harbaugh coaching his first no, game. No, not at all. And and believe
4: me, I've been to have called some, some very interesting games. I go back to my college days. When I was a student, we were on student radio. We did go to Ann Arbor, broadcast mm-hmm. the game at the big house. If you remember this 2017 game, uh, that yep. was the John O'Corn era at uh, Michigan. Oh, yeah. He was pulled at halftime. Brandon Peters comes in, and Rutgers ends up losing, what was it, 30? It was 35-14, but they, I think they were they were tied at 14 at one point. I I, I maintain to this day, and this is not fandom, if John O'Corn plays that whole game, I think Rutgers upsets him on the road. Uh, and that was still with Chris Ash as head coach, so – take that with a grain of salt and then of course you know you've seen since Sean came back the the COVID year in 2020 went to a double or triple OT in Piscataway they played them well last year it was either last year or two years ago they lost 20 to 13 in the big house so they play them tough for some reason and that was two years ago last last year they played them tough then blew up at halftime but mm-hmm. for some reason Michigan's the one team out of the big boys they do play close but we'll, we'll see what happens uh in next week I think Harbaugh has a bit of a jersey vendetta uh, out out there as well could be but gotta gotta beat brett pray and the hokies first
0: you're right that is true if they they win that one they're they're in really good shape so great shape absolutely thank you so much and uh we'll talk to you again real soon
4: absolutely Andy. appreciate you having me man
0: the great nick costco yeah definitely going for the dog and i agree that it needs to be a picture of a dog not just a d and rottweiler i think feels like the right breed You know, I got a Bernie doodle, so like a picture of her is not going to intimidate anyone. But yeah, let's go Rottweiler. And now let us move on elsewhere in the Big Ten. We were just talking about Rutgers. Let's talk about the drive for 325. Iowa alum Anthony Heron, who's on the Big Ten channel on SiriusXM radio. We talked a lot about a lot of different Big Ten teams, but we started with his alma mater. And that great, great contract that has us hanging on every single point. Joined now by the great Anthony Heron. You can hear him on Big Ten Radio on Sirius XM with his partner Matt Schick. And, and you had me just dying on Thursday. This is a you know big story. Nico Ragaini, the receiver
1: <laughs>
3: at
0: Iowa. You lustily pronounce his name all the time, but he got reprimanded right. by the, the Big Ten. Uh, he, he was asked about a, a call in the Iowa State game that he didn't like. So let, let's hear Nico, and then uh, I, I would like you to expound on the pronunciation some more. Was it pass interference?
3: <laughs> yeah, you know what? I mean, I feel like, what's the NCAA or Big Ten going to find me if I say that's a horseshit fucking call or what? <laughs> yeah, I don't know. I probably shouldn't have dropped to fi in there, but...
0: Oh, no, Jesus. Don't worry. I won't use that. Yeah. I, did, I probably shouldn't have used that customer, but here's some more.
1: <laughs> yeah. I mean, you know, he's a he's a grown adult. If, there, if, if there's any grown adult on the football team, it is Nico Ragaini who will, uh, you know, use a little bit of, of adult language there, a little blue language there from Nico, but I suppose he's he certainly got enough stripes there with the Hawkeyes to to feel emboldened to question the officials, and it was a bad call. They, they did miss a call, they blew a call in that moment. But you know, his reprimand from the Big Ten. Hopefully, that ends up putting the uh, the situation to bed for now. But you know, as his offense for Iowa starts to attack a little bit more, Monico probably won't be the only or the main target in those scenarios. But he's had a couple of chances. He's yeah. made a couple of plays on jump balls. That one, the. Defensive back decided to tackle him and drag him down by the jersey instead of allowing an opportunity to go up and field the ball.
0: Well, let, let's talk about your alma mater's offense because it's obviously a, a big theme everywhere. The drive for 325, they are six <laughs> points off the pace right now. Uh, I've, I've said many times, and I think if they win 10 games and they average 23 points a game, Brian Ferrance will keep his job, everything will be fine. But it does seem like there is, and, and maybe I'm just going back to that Utah State game. Those first two drives, it felt so ripe with potential. Yeah. Can they break out? Like, can they be something more than they have been?
1: I believe they can. And to your point, Andy, they've definitely shown some signs of it at times here. And if nothing else, the, the offense was so limited in, in multiple ways, really. One, What Brian Ferentz felt comfortable calling, you know, you could see that because there wasn't confidence in the the execution, partly because of the quarterback position, partly because of the available talent. You probably remember last season, all the receivers that were injured for Iowa, they had one healthy scholarship receiver early in the season, the game I called early last year against the Iowa State Cyclones. Uh, Nico Nagarini, who wasn't even <laughs> hardly available in that <laughs> game. They, they had Sam Laporta, one scholarship receiver. And that was pretty much it as far as available pass catchers. So personnel-wise, it was really tough sledding for them early in the year also. So that did make Brian Ferris's job even more difficult. But this year, I, I do think the offense is limited a bit right now because Cade McNamara hurt his leg in the preseason. And so what I was been known for, in the passing attack a lot of that that bootleg action where you know you're you're moving the pocket and getting the quarterback outside the tackle box you know where you have to start in one direction faking the stretch zone play which even that from a mobility perspective we haven't seen Iowa utilizing that early this season because you take the snap from under center you have to extend your legs your lower bodies you know to get to that, that aiming point to be able to even get the football out to the running back to reach it out there. And then on the boot action, after you fake that in one direction, you whip around and start running, sprinting, all the way to the opposite side of the field. It's just – it seems to have been deemed too big a risk right now for Iowa to put cave McNamara on the move like that. So that condenses a part of what they do with their passing attack. It's also condensed, like I'm referencing, the run game, not only the stretch zone play that they love to run, but even things like QB sneaks haven't done any yeah. of those yet. We saw what a play that became for the Iowa offense in recent years. So I think the offense right now is a bit condensed because of QB injury and because of some newness with the personnel. But to your question, I do believe there is great potential for the offense to expand here. We've seen a couple of really cool moments from Seth Anderson early in the season. Caleb Johnson, a record-setting freshman running back last year, hasn't completely got on track yet. But then Jazzy and Patterson was able to have some big moments against Iowa State in their in-state rivalry game last weekend. The offensive line showing some really strong signs of improvement early in the season versus where where they've been the last couple of years as young and banged up. So the, the game I'm going to call. I'm actually going to be on the, the broadcast this weekend for the Big Ten Network. I'm looking forward to seeing how, how aggressive, how much attack there's going to be from the Hawkeyes here, not only airing it out, but then how much can they expand the, the rushing attack and try to dominate the line of scrimmage.
0: I just hope you get to call three Nico Ragaini
1: touchdowns. Yeah, yeah, that'd be a good time. That'd be a really good time. Shout out to I mean- his
0: grandma for correcting everybody on the on the pronunciation. Why is it? That, why does this only happen in the Big Ten? But like Monty Ball. So yeah. I've been in this league for for three years now, but y'all have gotten my name wrong. It's Monte. Right.
1: How come right. you didn't tell
0: us? That didn't seem important.
1: but now that I'm on the way out, now that I feel a little bit more emboldened to let you know what I think you've been getting wrong, I'm saying it with my chest. Here's how you're supposed to be saying my name. It happens every season. Almost.
0: That is beautiful. Let's talk about Penn state and Illinois, because I I feel like this is one of those games that in the past two or three years, Penn state would go into champagne. It would be ugly, clunky, and it'd probably be a, a three or four point win. This feels like kind of a test for, for Drew Aller. Like, can you make this look smoother? Can you make this look better? Because we, we just watched a really talented quarterback, Jalen Daniels, take apart Illinois' defense.
1: And, you know, a couple seasons ago, maybe even a 37-overtime a, a loss, yes. <laughs> depending on how Penn State Italy came kicks. out and played. I think um, because because Drew Aller has been so spotless early on here, it's tough to presume that we'll see that level of execution week in and week out because this is his first season as a starting quarterback. But that being said, I, I think it's it's hard to deny what we've seen from Penn State. They, they're they playing like the most complete team in the Big Ten through the first couple of weeks of the season. And Drew is a huge part of that reason. Why? The best offensive line that James Franklin has had so far in his time in State College is a huge part of that as well. And so that, to me, is the key matchup. In addition to Know, just whether or not drew Aller can, uh, can continue to to move, extend plays and throw the ball as crisply as he has, but does he continue to have a run game that complements him and that passing attack in the way that it has so far? because of course that up until last season there had been several years where Penn State was just so ineffective running the football It made Sean Clifford's life even as an experienced quarterback that much more difficult. And so now you got a couple of seasons in a row here where you have, Olu Fashionu is maybe the top offensive tackle in the sport and and depth and talent along the offensive line, executing at a really high level and multiple talented running backs. So it doesn't all have to be on Drew Aller to, to beat Illinois. You you still have a chance because of the, the way, the depth and talent, the versatility they have on offense, and one of the best defenses in the country as well. They could potentially win this game versus the Alana handily, even if Drew Aller isn't as exceptional as he's been. But we haven't seen any evidence he won't continue to be exceptional up to this point, and especially as penalized as Illinois' defense has been. Taz Nicholson is a a very talented defensive back on the back end. He's had some key penalties. They've been inconsistent even up front. I thought that Johnny Newton and Keith Randolph had the potential to be the best tandem of defensive linemen, not only in the Big Ten, maybe in college football for the way they've looked the last couple of seasons, and that hasn't shown up consistently as well. Randolph was really good in the first game. Newton was really good in their second game. If they can combine that, that gives Illinois a recipe for them controlling the run game and getting after Drew Aller to try to stay in this thing.
0: I, the, the thing that drove me nuts with Illinois last week against Kansas is they had Luke Altmaier thrown to the sidelines pretty much every play and didn't break the playbook open and, and let him go over the middle and let him run around a little bit until the game was already out of hand. It feels like there's some some talent there. Yeah. but maybe they're not taking advantage of it.
1: And I wonder, a couple of different aspects of that too, Andy, because Barry Lenny Jr., he's multiple years in, into working with Brett Bielema, specifically in Champagne, and they have a working relationship that goes back prior to that as well. And so there's trust there that's built up. So I wonder if if Barry Lenny Jr., if he, whether it's him talking to Brett Bielema or Bielema talking to him and just saying, how do we open this thing up even more? Because Luke Altmaier, has thrown the ball pretty well, pretty cleanly from the pocket, and he's shown a level of athleticism beyond what I anticipated him having. And so he's even an extension of the ground attack and should, with that mobility, with that rushing ability, he should be able to open up additional run lanes for Reggie Love the third, for Josh McRae, with an offensive line that's still kind of growing and and maturing up front. And so I think that utilizing that kind of if, – if you feel like – Luke Altmaier has mastered the entire playbook, then do more with it. And you can set up some chunk play opportunities like you're talking about, where you got Isaiah Williams, who's, who's capable of playing the best version of receiver that he's played now that he's been at it for a while. Pat Bryant has been a big play machine at times when he's been healthy last season. They've even got Malik Elzey, who's one of the top receiver recruits in the country who really hasn't done anything yet, but he's talented enough where even if you get a package of plays and just get him on the field, for a couple of go routes or a couple of dig routes or something that it seems like they, 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 they've got more, they can access there, especially recognizing that Altmyer is a bit more of a multidimensional talent with his mobility than we maybe thought he was coming in.
0: Yeah. The, the other one this week in the big 10, that is fascinating to me. And, and we've been over the Mel Tucker stuff on this show. You guys have been over the Mel Tucker stuff on, on yeah. your show a ton. I, I kind of want to spin it forward to Michigan state on the field against Washington. This is an opportunity for Harlan Barnett, who's been wanting this job for a long time. This is, this is his dream job. And you know that he went down to Florida state with the idea that if, if he did well there, he's probably a head coaching candidate. It didn't go well under, under, under Willie Taggart at Florida state. So he did that. That didn't happen, but now he's got a shot. And then what is this? What do you think this team does? Because they're playing, an incredibly formidable opponent in Washington, but they had this happen. And there's usually kind of two ways you go from that.
1: I think that the locker room's potential for galvanizing exists. And it's odd because, you know, we go through all these different sort of mental gymnastics of trying to trying to guess and trying to presume what, what young people might do, how they may react to something like this. And for me, I, I was talking about a bit with Northwestern's situation as well, where they at least had a, a few weeks of lead time, which wasn't much. Now you got days of lead time in East Lansing to sort of suddenly uh, have, you know, have the knowledge that your coach won't be there, won't be on the sidelines with you anymore. But when I went through a coaching change in college, my first two years at Iowa were with Hayden Fry. My last two years were with Kirk Ferentz. When Hayden Fry announced his retirement, I'm, I can, it, it's like it was yesterday. I, I can remember just standing there in the press conference with him talking and him getting choked up. And myself and all my teammates after my sophomore year, you know, whatever, I'm like what 18, 19 years old, sitting there sobbing my eyes out because my coach is is no longer going to be there. And I was with, you know, we got notice. We got all this other stuff going on. We got to prep, you know, months and months to get ready for it by next season. So to have the rug just pulled out from under you in this way, like the Michigan State players have in a season that I called their spring game. I mean, I know how much promise they felt this roster had this year. It was the deepest roster that they had had since Mel Tucker took the program over during the COVID season back in 2020. So not only Mel Tucker not, not being there with them this weekend, but then also feeling like for the last basically game and a half that they've played really well and can continue to improve from this point forward. So you mentioned Holland Barnett having this opportunity. It's a big deal for him because of, of how long he's been in and around that program in so many different capacities. So it's a huge opportunity for him individually, but then this team as a whole, can they compartmentalize the situation they find themselves in? And for, for a guy like Noah Kim, you know, Noah Kim was, was barely able to kind of finish his high school football career because of injuries, gets recruited by Mark D'Antonio to East Lansing. He's one of the last remaining D'Antonio recruits on the roster right now, but then he's backing up. Peyton Thorne waiting for his opportunity. He goes into camp, and part of the reason, and everyone was really shocked to how Mel Tucker talked about the quarterback position and every position on the roster being kind of up for competition, but they felt like with that 11-win season, yeah, it was K-9, Kenneth Walker the third, but Peyton Thorne played at a high level that year too, didn't so much last season, battled through some injuries. Part of the reason Mel Tucker said, yeah, quarterback's open is because of the maturation physically, mentally, emotionally of Noah Kim. And we've got two games of evidence now of what Mel Tucker was seeing, what the staff, what Jay Johnson, his offensive coordinator, were seeing in Noah Kim with him as the Big Ten's leading passer right now. And so all that may come crumbling down because of the intangible, the off field and how that can fracture you know, your focus that you have in prepping for a game week in and week out, or it galvanizes them. Yeah, you know, we just really have no idea.
0: Well, and it's interesting because they've actually beaten Michael Penix Jr. in Spartan <laughs> Stadium before. <laughs> right. <laughs> he he played played there for Indiana, yeah. I believe, his sophomore year, but he was not there with Roma Dunze and Jalen McMillan mm-hmm. and Jalen Polk. That is a significant difference oh, yeah. for Mr. Penix.
1: And the way that, the way he's playing and being, being able to sustain health in the way that he has and having his old just uh, offensive coordinator, Kalen DeBoer, out there as his head coach and play caller with Dub, th- this is the, the fully matured version of Michael Penix Jr., a guy who could be in the NFL right now, could be, you know, trying to compete for a starting job in the National Football League, came back for another season, and is playing at a Heisman level. So it's fun to see that. It's fun to watch that. And this was going to be a revenge-type game because of the way that Washington, Washington just ran them up and down the field last season mm-hmm. when the Spartans went to Seattle. It's going to be a – it should still be, a, I would imagine, a near-packed house. I would imagine the crowd will be behind the team. And I've talked about it a lot over the years, Andy. Spartan Stadium, in my opinion, is one of the, one of the most underrated atmospheres in the Big Ten Conference. When the team is doing well, when that place is full – and the way that the the sound within Spartan Stadium, because of its structure, it's got, it's like a metallic type of structure yeah. throughout. So the sound echoes and reverberates throughout. It's really loud and the crowd is impactful when they're into it. And so when the team's good, man, it's a really intimidating place to play.
0: I was standing on the goal line on the sidelines when Kirk Cousins hit Keith Nickel on the rocket oh. play. And I mean, it, <laughs> that place was
1: Wow, yeah. you're yeah. right it is
0: it is one of the better environments in college football and you know I think back to to what happened at Auburn last year with Cadillac Williams how he kind of galvanized that fan base mm. as an interim coach perhaps Harlan Barnett can do the same thing an alum who you know has always dreamed of this and, and now he's got his shot so you kind of hope for for him and for the the players that that's yeah. that's what happens
1: yeah I, I would certainly hope so and even if, if if all the Mel Tucker stuff wouldn't have developed over the weekend, it would have been a long shot to actually pick Michigan State to win this yeah. game. But the line of scrimmage is where I do feel like there's a potential advantage. Now, how much does it mean when you've got a passing attack that's as potent and combustible as Washington's is that can just take the top off snap after snap? Maybe, maybe the line of scrimmage is just not a big enough advantage there. But that's where the recruiting over between last season and this season between health on each line of scrimmage, which wasn't there for the Spartans last year. And, and the transfer portal talent that's brought in as much as we think of the 2021 season and what running back and linebacker meant to to the success of, of that season's team. The defensive front, the, Mel Tucker said uh, when I called their game in the spring, this is the best transfer portal class top to bottom, the collection of talent that he had brought in there. And I feel like that's showing up on film. So the line of scrimmage in this game, Noah Kim, I don't see Noah Kim and the weaponry available, Michigan State's passing attack and offense. I don't see them just going score for score with U-Dub all day. But that defensive front, if they can impact Michael Penning's junior throughout the game and, and make him restless in the pocket, maybe force some turnovers that he's not really prone for at this point in his development, then that to me is as big a recipe as anything. You use that offensive line to try and stay out of predictable downs and distances where that Dub that pass rush can't get after you. And, and Nate Carter has a big game. The D-line has a big pass rush game. That, to me, is going to be as important or, or, in a lot of ways, even more important than just Noah Kim, you know, being the Noah Kim who's been leading the Big Ten in passing early.
0: Well, it's going to be a classic Big Ten matchup soon, <laughs> but not quite yet. Anthony Herons,
1: yeah, right. thank
0: you so much for joining us. And uh, may, you, may you call all the... The Nico Ragaini touchdown.
1: Ah, yes, yes. I'm looking forward to it. We'll see. Maybe this will be the game, Andy, that we get a little bit. I've been hoping that we'll end up getting Cooper DeGene on offense at some point for the Hawks. Who knows? Maybe that'll happen this weekend.
0: Hey, Travis Hunter's inspiring everybody. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Ragaini just rolls off the tongue. It really does. And listen. I do think the Iowa offense is going to get going. I I don't think they're going to end up under 25 points a game. I really, I still have faith, but that contract makes me want to watch every single snap just to see, can they do this? Our extra point tonight, though, we move back to the SEC. And again, I've said this all week. I don't want to hear this. This week doesn't have good games. This slate is no good. There will be games that make us go what the hell just happened because that's what happens on these weekends but there's one game that we know is going to inspire passion from both fan bases and that's florida tennessee because the gators need this game badly the balls have not won in gainesville since 2003 something has to give and this is the kind of reaction you get a little background so my first job out of college, I covered the Tennessee beat for the Chattanooga times free press. So there was a basketball player at Tennessee, the power uh, power forward named Ron Slay. Ron Slay was the most hilarious player to interview. He was absolutely a joy and he played like his hair was on fire. Well, or like his headband was, he was a headband guy. He's doing radio in Nashville now. And, and he, he he was talking about this game and and look, Ron, Ron played basketball but in his heart, he was always a football player. And so this is how excited he is about this game. And I don't think he's alone among Tennessee fans or Florida fans when it comes to this game.
2: I don't care what you say, ain't nothing gotta make sense that's coming out of my mouth, because this is this is what's well, gonna Well, it all doesn't week. make
1: sense. Exactly. That's but we're a doing a, a radio rivalry. show a where <laughs> you need to make sense, and you're not making any kind of no, sense. No, he doesn't they need to make sense. No. It's cold. That's all I know. That's some, all I know. Let's go. It's Tuesday. Say it. Say it. Say it. Are you calling a audible? Play. I'm right now. Right
2: now. Whoa. 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 they coming through because I'm going to hit
1: them. Hey, yeah. Go.
2: I'm going I'm
1: to hit them. I'm going to feel. I'm going to feel. That's what you doing fast. Hey.
0: Poor Don Davenport, his co host at 104.5 in the zone in Nashville, trying to to manage but ron slay is all of us when it comes to a rivalry game especially one for in his case him his alma mater hasn't won down there in a while always seems to get the football snatched away by lucy feels pretty good but they're pretty nervous too guys there are no bad college football weekends i promise this was going to be great too we'll talk to you on saturday